as easy as it is for us to to think about the the golden years, the better years, to look back on history and to uh, think about how great it used to be, I can't help but be reminded that each and every one of us in this church this morning is living a better life than either King David or King Solomon ever could have dreamed. In all of Solomon's riches, he still slept in a hot palace during the summer and a freezing cold palace during the winters. He still ate food that was incredibly expensive to season. And think about this, right? During during the Old Testament and even Jesus' days, the spice trade was everything. I mean, it was... The spice rack we have in our kitchen at home right now was is worth more than anyone could ever afford 2,000 years ago. And we take so much for granted, the air conditioning, the refrigerating. I mean, we are living like kings and queens each and every time we put our head on a soft pillow and pull a blanket up over our bodies. But one of the things that the Bible talks about is is spices and salt and all of these things that we don't think anything of, and yet back then they were worth their weight in gold. In fact, it was very common for the Roman armies to pay their soldiers in salt and in seasoning because it was more valuable than actual currency. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning to a very common verse that we're all familiar with, but we're going to look at what it means and what Jesus is talking about. And it's not coincidence either that this is the verse we're going to be talking about in our men's Bible study tomorrow. So this is the primer for those of you who want to make it out tomorrow night. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, we see him starting with his the Sermon on the Mount. It reads, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and be trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one little, or one uh, title will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven." You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. And in America in 2019, there's not a lot of value to that statement, right? Salt sitting on our table at home. We don't think anything of it. We often brush the excess salt off because we just have too much. In fact, we have these, these sodium-free diets now because we're assuming, consuming so much of it. But back then, salt was, again, everything. A pinch of salt was worth so much to a family. But what does salt do but bring out the natural flavor of food? The right amount of salt, that is. 
right? It enhances the flavor. It allows you to taste things within the food that we eat that we wouldn't have been able to notice otherwise. It can make a bland meal that much more flavorful. And so it highlights everything that is wonderful about the food that we eat, the salt that we put. But in Jesus' time, it was very common for most of their salt to come from the Dead Sea. And this salt was impure, and so it lost its flavor, it lost its power very quickly. And so it was very common for it to go stale. And you had old salt that was worth nothing, and they would throw it out, and it was lost money. Think about how much salt would have cost the family for it to go bad and then have to be thrown out and be wasted and how much pain that that family had to feel getting rid of something as expensive as that. But Jesus writes that when salt loses its power, when it doesn't do the thing that it's supposed to do, it's worthless and it's to be cast out. And so when we look at what we are as salt of the earth, we are here to enhance God, to enhance His image, to enhance His power, and to enhance others. We are here to to bring out the flavor of God, so to speak, in the world and to make sure that others recognize His full power and His full ability to change our lives. But Jesus goes on in, in the verse and He says that we are a light. That we are a city set upon a hill. That we don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it somewhere in our rooms to light the whole room. When I would go outside to feed early in the morning and when it's pitch black dark, I would take my flashlight and I'd walk over to the table under our our, our porch and I would turn it upside down so that the light would hit the top of the carport and light up the whole area because I didn't need one little beam of light. I needed everything to be lit up. Right When we set out our lanterns during a, a storm when the power is out, we don't stick it in corners. We set it where it is the most visible to the entire room. And what is the point of that but to to highlight everything in the room, right? To light up everything so that we can see everything and be aware of everything. And so when we see him talk about the salt of the earth, which is a mineral dug up from the depths, and we see him talk about the light, which is at his time fire, they seem so very different. But when you look at the point of each one of them, it is to illuminate the entirety of something to bring out all the flavor, to light up the whole room, to make sure that the person partaking in this is aware of everything that there is. We are here to glorify not just God, but God's creation. Right? When we were put here on the earth in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were here to simply glorify the world that He made, to tend to it, to, to, to shape it, to enhance its beauty. That's why we're here, to build up others. Christ is trying to explain to His followers that that even though He is such a stark contrast to so many laws that the Pharisees had been preaching, that He was not here to destroy the laws, but to fulfill them. But he says here in verse 19, he says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the heaven. How many of us are guilty of breaking some of those commandments? 
And how many of us are guilty in one way or another of inspiring or motivating other people to do so as well? There are a lot of us out there who are guilty of this. But even worse so, there are a lot of us who do not light up the world, do not bring out its flavor, but rather tear it down. See, God wants us to to be here to do something great, and that is to enhance the world in every way that we can, to build others up, to build Him up, to build up His image, to stand as light upon a city or upon a hill. That is the type of Christian that Jesus wants following Him. Those who don't bring out the darkness of the world, but bring out its light and its beauty and its glory, and the beauty and glory of others as well. But alas, we have an issue because there are so many that begin to follow Jesus, and there are so many in Jesus' day who claim to follow God, but are snakes in the grass but are doing so for evil purposes. We see that in Paul's writing to the early churches. He's warning so many of these early Christian churches to be wary of false teachers because as this religion sweeps through the Middle East and Southern Europe, he knows that there are a lot of people who will take advantage of Christ's followers. And so I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And we're going to get to the false teachers here in a minute, but have you heard the phrase that the fact that there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven speaks volumes about the expected lines of people going to each place? He's saying that the path to hell, the path to damnation, to condemnation is, is broad and wide. But the path to heaven to life, to everlasting life, is narrow and difficult. There he is in the Sermon on the Mount, right after the golden rule, something that we all take to heart, and he's telling us that the path that he is calling us to take is a difficult path, that the challenges will be many, but that we can do these things. Right? We've talked about that before, that he has given us the power to overcome any challenge and obstacle that stands in our way. But to do unto others as you would have them do unto you is, is the, the golden rule, as our Scripture calls it. To love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. To, to try to be the change we want to see in the world. All of those cliches, all of those, those sayings that we've heard time and time again throughout our, life, throughout our life is the core, the essence of all of Jesus' teaching. To be kind to others, to love others, to offer forgiveness and mercy, and to not tear down other people, but to build them up. But Jesus goes on in verse seven, or chapter seven. In verse fifteen, he says, Beware of false prophets 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is something we need to take to heart because we all know people out there who are indeed wolves in sheep's clothing, who claim one thing but act in another way altogether, who, while acting like they are upright, that they are devoted, are indeed wicked and conniving. And we have to be wary of these people. But there is something that Jesus says here that that we can miss with a quick reading. Because we all know what it takes to be saved. To call on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. To call His name. To invite Him into our heart. That's what it takes to be saved from condemnation. But read these words here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The words of Jesus saying it is not enough simply to call out, Lord, Lord. It is not enough just to call on Him, but to carry out the will of His Father in heaven. And then He goes on and He says that there will be people at the end of the days who will say, I did all of these things in your name. I professed your name. I casted out demons. I did many wonders for the name of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. And He will tell them, I never knew you. Let's think about that for a minute. There are people out there right now who are doing things in the name of God, doing things in the name of Jesus Christ. But as long as they are not following God's rule, the golden rule, the, the, the core of everything that Jesus brought down, they will reach those final days and Jesus will look at them in their eyes and tell him, I never knew you. And these aren't wicked atheists or, or, or pagans or people out there destroying the world or doing things hatefully. These are people who are doing good wonders Casting out demons, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, but if they don't have that golden rule in their heart, Jesus will say that He never knew them. That it is not enough simply to call on Him and to say you're doing things in His name, but rather to have God's will in our heart to follow that law. He says He will do that because of their lawlessness. 
Again, Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And as all of us know, if you go back through the first five books, what the Hebrews called the law, right? the, Mos- the, the text written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, all of those, those books that we often gloss over. And we read through all of the laws and rules and commandments. And there are a lot. You can't turn a page in any of those books without seeing some law being given out. And these are all the laws that the Hebrew people for thousands of years tried to follow, tried to live by each and every day. But Jesus, He comes and He tells them that like, look, if you're not following these laws It doesn't matter whether you call out my name or not. I will say I never knew you. And he's telling them all of these things that like, you've got to be following these laws. You've got to be giving yourselves over to God, not just quickly and half-heartedly, but fully devoted to everything he's called on us. And the people ask him, Lord, there are so many commandments and so many laws and we can't keep track of it unless we dedicate our lives to reading the scriptures. What do we do? What's the most important law of all of them? If there's any law that we follow in all of the scriptures and all of the texts and all the prophecies, what law will give us get us into heaven? Right, just the Ten Commandments alone we struggle with. You know which commandments in that, that list of ten you have a hard time following. Maybe it's covetousness. Maybe it's respecting our, our parents. Maybe it's idolatry that we struggle with. But those, those ten, just those ten alone, the ones that God literally wrote in stone, we struggle with on a daily basis. And so the, the followers of Jesus, they're so worried about how impossible it is to follow all these laws, how impossible it is to, to stay true to God's will. And they say, we just need one. Just give us the, a, a golden per, a standard to live by. And what we see in that response, and we all know where I'm going with this, but what we see in Jesus' response is He doesn't take what so many of my teachers have done and they say, well, it's really hard to boil it down to just one thing. You've really got to... No, He doesn't backtrack. He tells them very simply. Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You do those things, those two things, love God, love your neighbor, that's it. You are set. That's all you really have to worry about. Everything else will fall into place. There was a classroom, and I can't remember what school it was in, not that it really matters, but, but there is, in every classroom there's this list of classroom rules, right? And usually the teachers make it up themselves, you know, keep, stay quiet, raise your hand, you know, respect others, stay in line, those kinds of things. But, but there's one, and written on the top of their whiteboard, it says, one rule in the classroom. And it was like, Miss Smith is the rule. You know, basically everything that she says is the rule, however she wants to frame it, that whatever she says is the rule. And it was so, it was so funny to me because it's so, such a simple concept. If I talk, that's the rule now, right? And the kids don't have a big long list of things. They just have one thing to remember. That's whatever Miss Smith says. That's not her name, but I can't remember it. But, And that's what Jesus is doing for all of His disciples, all of His followers. He's saying, look, I get it. 
Look what happens when people live by these laws. They turn into the Pharisees. They get so caught up in following the laws that they lose love for their fellow man. So I'll give this to you straight. Here's the one thing to take away from my three years of ministry and three decades on this earth. It's to love people. It's to love God and love everybody else. So when we say, when Jesus says that simply calling on Him isn't enough, that we have to follow the will of God, that we have to carry out the will of His Father in heaven, it scares us. Because I know I struggle with doing that. I know in my life I haven't always carried out His will. I know I have stumbled. I know I have fallen. I know I have been struggling to do all the things that God has called on me to do. And there's a lot of things He calls on each and every one of us to do. But when the Word of God Himself says to His followers that the only thing to remember, the biggest takeaway from all of it, from the hundreds of thousands of words in this book, is to love. Because it is that love that is the light of God. It is the love that is the flavor that the salt of the earth brings out in the world that we live in. Right? We are the salt and we are the light and it's our job to enhance the love in this earth. It always comes back to that. Every single sermon I have ever preached comes back to this one core principle of loving each other. And it doesn't matter what rules you follow. It doesn't matter how many things you do in the name of God or in the name of Christianity or in the name of the church. If you don't love others and build up others, you are defying God's will. We all know people like that, right? Who who claim Christ as their Savior, who go to church, who do things in the name of God and in the name of Jesus. But when you get to know them, they're kind of hateful. They don't really like people. They talk bad about everybody that, that, they, that they mention. They don't have love in their hearts the way God has called on them to do. And those are the people that in the days Jesus will look at and say, I don't care how many wonders you did in my name. I don't care how many demons you cast out in my name. You didn't follow the rules and I never knew you. So let us love. Let us love more and more and more each day. It's hard. It's difficult. But it's such a simple rule. No matter how impossible it might seem. And you might all be thinking about someone in your life that you don't think you could ever bring to love, but be remembrance of we can do all things. Because if Christ is going to give us the power to do anything, it's going to be the power to love. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank You for for Jesus, Lord. We thank You for His salvation, for His mercy. But Lord God, more importantly, we, we thank You for His Sermon on the Mount, for the messages that He bestowed upon us, Lord God. We call on You today to make each and every one of us the salt of the earth and, and, and a light for You, Lord, to enhance and to bring out all the glory and all the wonder of this world and of others 
to love You with all of our hearts and to give us the strength, give us the power and grace and mercy, Lord, to, to love others, to carry out Your will. Lord, let us serve You each and every day in the best way that we can. We pray that You forgive us for all our sins, forgive us for all the ways that we have fallen, all the ways that we have stumbled, all the ways that we have neglected Your will. And we pray that You give us the strength to carry forward. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hatridge Sermons. If you feel led to donate to my message or to this show, I ask that you simply donate your time or money to a local food pantry, charity, or mission. And if you ever find yourself in Southwest Arkansas, feel free to visit. We'd love to have you. You can find us at the Ben Loman Cumberland Presbyterian Church at 10 a.m. or the Brownstown Community Church at 11. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'd love to see you.